You're listening to Power Pearl's podcast, intuitive, purpose-driven yarn crafting to empower your knits and pearls. Hey, Power Pearlers. Before we get started with this episode, just a few quick announcements for you. I first want to share that Power Pearls Unplugged now has a new home on IGTV. You can check out my new videos every week by visiting me on Instagram, checking out my channel. You can find me by searching at Kara Got Warner. So make sure to follow me so you know when I post new videos. Also, if you want to stay even more connected, join my email list to get updates on new videos, podcast episodes, challenges, and mini courses, and of course, other activities that I'm up to. So go to karagatwarner.com forward slash updates. Okay, on with the show. I hope you enjoy. Hey, you guys, welcome to another episode of Power Pearls Podcast. So today, what I want to do is treat this like a mini on-air coaching session for you. So I'm not coaching anyone uh, in particular, but what I'd like to do is offer advice to those of you that are out there wanting to start a business, a creative business, but you're not a designer, you know, because that's not the only way to kind of dip your toes into the yarn crafting space. So what I'm going to talk about today is 10 scrappy ways to blend your skills and passion to start a yarn crafting business. And I'm calling this beyond the pattern. And I'm putting up air quotes right now. You can't see it beyond the pattern because this was actually inspired by a question that uh, one of the listeners uh, named Cynthia wrote in, and I'm going to read that now for you guys, because I think that um, there may be many of you in this similar boat. So here is the question. I'd really love to learn more about those who use yarn crafts beyond selling patterns. Since most successful yarn craft businesses are doing more than selling patterns on Ravelry, I'd love to hear more about that side of things. The networking, other income streams, teaching, etc. I love learning how to design pieces and I'm, and am totally using that in my own business. I'm trying to dream big and think the long game. Well, this is such a great question that Cynthia posed. And so what this inspired from me is a big brain dump of 10, I have 10 ways. I have more than 10, but I thought these, you know, I narrowed it down because I, I really wanted to uh, make this as succinct and meaningful for you as possible. So I'm calling this a brain dump of all the ways you can start a beyond the pattern business. And now, mind you, these are not necessarily in order of, you know, skill level or what you should pursue first, second, third, whatever. This is, like I said, a brain dump, which is more like, you know, just one big brainstorming uh, session, so to speak. And I have them all for you right here. So these 10, I'm going to go through each one of them right now. Okay. So I think we might as well just jump right in, right? So without further ado, I'm going to kind of go through all 10 of these. All right. So let's dive into number one. Number one is teach what you preach. Okay. So this 
might be scaring some of you that are thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not an expert. I, you know, I'm not, you know, ready to teach. I, I still have so many skills that I need to develop. Well, I just would like for you to just put those limiting beliefs aside just for a little bit because you only need to be a couple of steps ahead of those that you teach. The bottom line is you need to be able to explain something in a very clear way so that the people that you are teaching understand it, feel inspired, and they don't feel overwhelmed. And so if you can organize information in that way, then it's like gold and you can definitely teach. And you know, if the thing that's cool about being just a couple of steps ahead of the people that you're teaching, you mean it means that you're really close to the material. And when you teach when you teach, you know, and you're still new yourself, the more you teach that subject, the better you become, right? So if you are teaching on the same topic and the same, you know, the same types of things over and over again, which I highly recommend that you do, because then you can sort of build your niche uh, or your your niche, however you <laughs> however you say it, in that area and get known for, you know, maybe you're like the mitered knitting queen or something like that. I don't know. So you can teach at venues that are uh, live, right? So in-person venues like the National Needle Arts Trade Association, which is TNNA. You guys hear me talk about TNNA all the time. Stitches, Vogue Knitting Live, uh, you know, those types of events. So both trade and consumer events. And when you teach at places like this, uh, you are able to gain that trust much quicker when people, you know, there's something about people seeing you stand up, you know, when you're standing up in front of a group and you're teaching, people automatically look at you as an expert. And uh, it just helps you to um, gain those hot and warm leads, especially if you'd like them to sign up for your newsletter, learn more about you later, uh, you know, just kind of to stay in touch. So this is a great, great way to do it. Um, you know, because I personally teach at, at live venues and I just recently taught at, at TNNA in June. Um, and it was a, um, how to use a podcast and leverage the, the digital media space to essentially be like a media company. And so that was what I taught at TNNA. And it was great because I got to meet people face to face. I got to hear their problems on the spot And, you know, and I just put out a sheet to let people know, hey, you know, go ahead and sign up for my newsletter. And everybody signed up. So it is really a great way to do that, especially if your class goes over really well. People will definitely be interested in what you have to say when you're doing things online. And then you, so it's the live, that's the live component. And then um, the online uh, component is teaching on platforms like Teachable, which I have, I use Teachable for my online school and also on your own website, which I mentioned, and think Thinktific. So I'll do my best to, to, to include these links. So I'm just kind of mentioning these now. No need to take notes, because if you go to, uh, you, you see them, you'll see them in the, in the blog post. And you can hopefully, you know, click through these and, and get more information. Okay, so that was number one. Okay, so let's dive into number two, write news and tutorial articles for knitting and crochet. Now, this is something that you can do for magazines. You can do it for, you know, both print magazines and online magazines for various different websites. And you can become like that go-to person. 
and you know, Tabitha Hedrick, who you guys have heard on the show, she was that person for me when I was the executive editor of Creative Knitting, and I, and she still writes for the magazine today, and I recognize her as that person that could really fill holes. She was like this amazing person of value that could jump into a, to a situation. If I had, you know, I was like, oh no, I need, you know, an article on, you know, how to do mosaic knitting or whatever, she could jump in and just totally adapt. And she could, and, and you know what, even if she didn't know too much about the subject, she was a good researcher. And so she was, she could curate information and write the articles. And she's just so good at that. And so organized, and that is a big factor right there, going back to, you know, that what I said before, organizing information. If you're a teacher, same thing, you know, applies to being able to write news and tutorial articles for publishers. So this could be a great outlet. Um, and uh, also, you could offer webinars, you know, you could do like live webinars or recorded webinars for trade organizations. And, uh, I did something for the craft industry Alliance. I don't know if you guys have heard of them, but I highly recommend that you join and the membership. It's so affordable and it, it, the resources are amazing. I mean, I just, you know, you can find so much to help you and support you in your new, uh, craft business. Um, they have some great, uh, you know, w- every week they have this thing called co- coffee, coffee clutch. I hope I said that right. Um, but it's just like getting together with a cup of coffee and, you know, talking with other, other people in business, other people that are dealing with the same stuff that you're dealing with. But anyway, you can write for them too. And, uh, and so they, oh, they, they, uh, sent out calls for submissions. So, Maybe this is the first time you're hearing that term used. So you can get on lists and you can get on, this goes for magazines like Creative Knitting, like Vogue Knitting, like Interweave, like Crochet Magazine, um, you know, all of these magazines, right? But then the, you can also get on uh, the the call for uh, industry publications like Craft Industry Alliance, like Yarn Market News and other uh, digital magazines. I think, you know, like there's Nitty, uh, you know, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, but you know, if you were to do a search and just spend time searching for, uh, magazines online and print that you could submit tutorial articles, news articles, maybe, you know, suggest a webinar or some other kind of innovative idea, then you could throw them all into a spreadsheet and just keep things in the pipeline. Just keep on, you know, seeing what's going on, see what their trends are, uh, you know, offer, offer your expertise, see how you can fill holes for them, always be a person of value and ready to do some work. Okay, so number three is become a virtual assistant or a project manager for designers and yarn companies. Uh, now, you may have seen the term VA, you know, like the acronym, I guess you would call it an acronym, but the letters, you know, VA or PM, uh, not private message, <laughs> but VA, virtual assistant and PM for project manager. And so those are two different things. And so I work with both. I work with a project manager and a virtual assistant. Now a project manager, you know, their rates are usually higher and they do uh, more high level things like craft blog post articles, write your newsletters, and a virtual assistant does more administrative stuff like 
need to organize spreadsheets, uh, field customer customer uh, customer service queries, manage. Maybe you're maybe you'll be you can hire them as a Facebook admin. There are so many different ways to use uh, you know VAs and project managers, and you could always search. Uh, so there's a there's a place called Virtual Angel Hub, and this is a this is an organization that actually hires VAs. So like you could actually become a VA through a place like Virtual Angel Hub, but it's also a good place to kind of, you know, kind of be a little bit of a spy and see what are the kinds of things that virtual assistants do. And you can also Google it, of course, make best friends with Google. That's what I always say. So if you're able to, you know, if you're very organized, you, and first of all, being in, being close to this you know, industry, we, we know the culture, we know the yarn crafting space. And if you're highly organized and you can batch like a boss, then you can totally do this. And so it's a good idea to even offer a trial to someone, test the waters, do things for free. I know you probably don't want to hear that, but you know, in the beginning, it's a really good idea to do that because you know, if they like your work, you're going to keep going anyway. So what do you have to lose? That's what I say. And you know what? That's how I got started in just about every single thing. I do. And I've done. I said, yeah, I can do that. Even if I wasn't really sure I could do it. And I always delivered. It's, it's, it's just confidence. And you know what? You research it. You know, you can't do something when you have no skill in that area at all. I mean, you need time to develop it. But if you do have skills and you, but it's, it's just about, you know, that thing that I've said before, do that scare, one scary thing every day. Like, you know, deep down, you probably know you can do it, but scary because you have some additional things you have to figure out. So, you know, like I said, you can, you can check out VA sources just to do a little homework and do a little research. And then there are other resources like Upwork, Odesk. I think those are still around. They, they those types of freelance, uh, websites change names and they kind of merge a lot. But if you just do a search for freelance websites or how to get freelance work, uh, or how to become a virtual assistant. I mean, you know, just spend some time researching and believe me, you're going to find uh, exactly what you need in this area. And then number two is becoming an illustrator. So if you have skills that, you know, you're good at drawing or you've done maybe some, you know, you've dabbled it with, you know, you dabbled in uh, using Adobe Illustrator, Photoshop. So I have been doing this for years. And so I have a background in illustration and I still work as an illustrator. Uh, and, you know, and I, I do layout work. I do you know, technical illustrations for book publishers, for independent designers, you know, for just so many different, there's so many different opportunities um, that are out there when it comes to if you, you know, if you're a good illustrator and a good layout artist. And I use Adobe, you, you know, there are other programs out there. I mean, no, I don't think that Canva, PicMonkey are necessarily the way to go, I'll talk about some other options with that in a second, but, you know, to be like a true illustrator where you're drawing digital programs using Adobe is a really, um, is a really good idea to understand how, you know, how that works and you can totally teach yourself. So I'm just going to say straight up, forget the people that tell you that you have to have a degree to work as an illustrator. I have a degree, but it's not as a, you know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not, I have an illustration, I do have an illustration degree, okay? But I, I'm totally self-taught when it comes to using uh, 
Illustrator. I, I also taught myself how to use Corel Draw. Now this is a lower priced product, so you could use Corel, but I highly recommend Illustrator if you um, if you can swing it because. Now, instead, well, back in the days when I started working as an illustrator, it was easily $1,000 just to have the software, and now you can pay monthly for just using one program, or you can use the full Adobe suite, which is what I do because I use it, you know, for recording this podcast, you know, there's, there's all kinds of programs, Adobe Audition, I use uh, Adobe Illustrator, InDesign, uh, I use Photoshop, and Premiere, which is the video, <laughs> the video uh, editing program. So, you know, it's something to, to, to look into, something that if you're really passionate about this, you can totally teach yourself because I, I love being an illustrator and I totally geeked out and, you know, it took some time, but you know what? It's worth, it's worth the effort because if you're really good, you can get some good work too. Okay. And number five is layout artists. So you could actually lay out patterns for other designers, for yarn companies, for magazines on both online, so digital magazines and print magazines. So when you see a magazine like Creative Knitting, like Vogue Knitting, those are all laid out in a program called InDesign. And so basically it is an Adobe product and it's a system of frames basically. So you can lay out copy, you can lay out photos and other elements. So it's not, you know, it's not so hard to learn. You know, you could totally learn how to use it. So this is for those of you that are ready to geek out and you want to get the Adobe suite. It's the, it's called the Adobe creative suite. So, uh, InDesign is part of it. And so, um, in conjunction with using a program like Illustrator and Photoshop, uh, and then I would pl- create illustrations, plug those in to InDesign while I'm laying out the document or the pattern or whatever it is. So that's another another way to use your skills if you know graphic design is your thing. And then let's say, you know, yeah, I'm good. I got a good eye. I don't want to mess around with that stuff. So here's number six. You could become a logo designer or just create uh, you know, just elements for people like, like branding elements. So you could offer this as a standalone service. So if you have a good eye for design, you can totally use PicMonkey. You could use Canva. So I don't know if you guys are familiar. I'm going to kind of just act like you don't know. So PicMonkey and Canva, and they can use kind of, they can be used together. I use them together. No, I mean, I used to, but not so much because I really do. I use, um, I use Photoshop and Illustrator for most of the work that I do, but PicMonkey is more like a photo editing program. So you can kind of manipulate photos. There is some control for creating frames and, you know, some different types of layout elements that you could use, but Canva is sort of like InDesign. So what you, you could simulate, you could do, so like, for example, let's say you're in Canva, if you're familiar with it in Canva, I recommend you guys check out Canva, you know, canva.com and picmonkey.com. Pick is P-I-C-M-O-N-K-E-Y. And in Canva, you'll see, let's say you search a document like, oh, I don't know, like some sort of a report or uh, an info product or whatever, you know, I'm just trying to think of, um, you know, some of the documents, but you could go to the, to the document section and you could search 
many different types of documents. And you could see uh, maybe something that would kind of look like it could be a pattern layout with two columns, let's say, with some images, with some H1, and that's just kind of like, you know, designer speak, or I, sh I should say layout speak. Yeah, designer layout speak. So that's a heading. So heading number one. So there's all, you know, H1 is your main heading, H2, 3. Those are like subheadings. And then you can add, like I said, photos, you can add graphics, you know, and drop in copy. And everything is framed in some of these types of um, documents that you can create on Canva. The only, the only drawback is that they are lower resolution, but it's mainly because you know, these images are, are meant for, uh, you know, publishing on the web. And I'm going to scratch that because actually you can, they are for the print version. Like if you're designing a document, you can actually download the PDF, a printable PDF or a low resolution PDF. So you do have those options. So there you go. You could just design some standalone designs, logos, and elements by using PicMonkey and Canva. And then number seven is you could offer a copywriting service. So in episode 90, which was actually right before this one, uh, you should go back and listen to that. So if you go to powerpearlspodcast.com forward slash 90, so powerpearlspodcast.com forward slash 90, and you can listen to, this is uh, this episode is about how to write snappy and irresistible copy, and we provide some resources there. And, uh, so check that out because, you know, you could offer this to the, to the industry by, you know, if you feel like you're really good at writing or you want to perfect your skills, there's definitely an, uh, there are some options there to write blog posts. You could write, uh, you know, just, just some marketing materials for yarn companies, for designers, for, for publishers, you know, you could do marketing copy. There's some, there's a lot of opportunity there that you could check out if you have those skills. And also for yourself, if you are trying to promote your own business, uh, creative business, uh, it, it's indispensable. You know, the, the ability to write good copy online is, is, is like, I don't know, I feel like a number one thing you need to, you need to do, you need to have that skill. So check, check episode 90. Okay. So number eight is offer editorial services. Okay. So this can be named a few different things. So some companies I've heard them call it pattern support and others call it creative director. So it just depends on like what level of support that they need. So I do this with, with companies, with yarn companies, because there's, everyone is so different. So I've actually done pattern support for a few companies. And then with others, you know, it's more like you're a creative director because you're handling not just you know, kind of the logistics of getting the uh, the proposals in, organizing them them into folders, outreach to the designers, handling any errors that come in for patterns. So everything and anything that has to do with maintaining the, the pattern collection, there is actually a job role for that. And so when I was the editor of Creative Knitting, I had an, an editorial assistant and managing editors. That's what they did at the magazine. So a managing editor would handle all the moving parts of the magazine and make sure that all the puzzle pieces fit together. And so an assistant would be that front person that would would talk to designers. They would organize all the patterns into folders and keep all the graphics in, you know, in other folders or in other places. Because, you know, when it comes to especially a magazine, there are hundreds of moving parts, hundreds of pieces. You know, there might be 30 patterns and then, you know, 
every pattern has not every pattern, but patterns. Ha- a lot of the patterns have schematics, and uh, and they have uh, photos, and they have charts. Um, you know, so there's lots of different pieces there that have to be managed, and if they're not uh, organized well, this can create a nightmare. It might seem like a simple thing. So companies look for someone that can be that support person. So there's an opportunity right there. And then number nine is sample making and tech editing. Now I group this together because they kind of work hand in hand in many respects, because if you're out there and you're designing yourself, you know, you need a sample maker and a tech editor. So, uh, you know, both of these, you know, one helps the other, you know, I, I personally think so, uh, two wings of a bird. I don't know, maybe, uh, now there are Ravelry groups that you can check out and, you can learn more about how, you know, the interworkings of what it takes to become a sample maker and what sample makers do, what tech editors do. And again, like I said earlier, you know, about offering your services for free is a really good idea and be willing to test patterns. Now, always, you, sh- you probably, until you get your footing, until you get a reputation, you will have to test patterns for free. So someone might say, sure, that, that sounds great. You know, if you're a tech editor, I'm, you know, I'd love to test you. I'm going to give you this pattern. And then, you know, there'll probably be some errors, you know, that the designer knows about, you know, just because they want to make sure that you are going to catch those things. Uh, so be willing to test for free. And then number 10 is you can become a coach. So if you have experience and a measure of success in your field, you can actually teach others how to do the same with a program, right? So let me give you an example. So I'm, I, you guys know I talk about this. So I offer my expertise. I'm paying forward all the things that I've learned in my more than 15 years in the yarn crafting space, the publishing space as a designer, as an illustrator. And so, you know, this is something that I can say, Hey, you know what? I can package this, productize it, so to speak, and offer this as a program and coach others through the process. And so if you're able to create a program, and let's say maybe this program takes someone through certain things in four weeks, or maybe you have a six-week program, or you do something that's maybe in a book form or one-on-one. Uh, so there's so many different ways to do it, but it's a great idea to kind of know exactly who you want to reach, what it is that you want to help them with, so you can qualify who it is that you're going to work with, and then offer them a program. Because if you know who you're going to talk to, you know who you're going to reach and what they need, then your program will be tailored for, to them. So chances are they're going to be interested and they'll take you up on it. So those are the 10, you guys. So I'm going to recap really, really quick, and then we're going to wrap it up. So number one is teach what you preach. Number two is write news and tutorial tutorial articles. Number three is become a virtual assistant or a project manager for designers and yarn companies. Number four is you can become an illustrator. Number five, you can be a layout artist. Number six is you can be a logo designer. Number seven, copywriting service. Number eight, or offer editorial services. Number nine, you can offer sample making and tech editing. And number 10, you can become a coach. So if you're willing to put your feelers out there, get a little scrappy, then you can make a living by being closely connected to the yarn industry, even if you're not a pattern designer. 
And the truth is you cannot make a living strictly by designing patterns. So I just want to really put this out there. I think it's a really good idea to, you know, really put your feelers out there, like I said, and use and use your skills and your talents, you know, to see where can I, you know, who can I connect with? How can I use this uh, in, in a certain capacity in this industry that I love so much? So there are people that are, that are out there just designing, but they are the exception and it is a long haul. So I'm just, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but I'm just trying, I just want you to, you know, just to realize that, you know, if it's something that you want to do, great, go for it because it can be a long haul. It could be, I'm not saying it will be, it could be, uh, if this is your sole endeavor, you know, like I said, I've seen people do it, but they are definitely the exception. And so a great goal out of the gate is to blend together your passion with your special skills and then figure out a way to market that. So I hope you liked this little kind of coaching session, if you will, sort of like a coaching session answering Cynthia's question. And I hope that you guys find this valuable and maybe you'll, you know, maybe some of these will spark some really, uh, really cool ideas for you. So before we wrap up, I just want to share that I have a very special gift for you. It is a special audio training and it's called the secret sauce to a thriving creative business. And in this little audio training, I will share five steps that you can implement starting today that will help you uncover your sometimes not so obvious skills and talents. They are there and it is your job to find them. They can be just like your nose, actually. They're always so close that you can't see them. So the secret sauce is your ability to put your feelers out there in multiple ways to become a scrappy creative. This is how you'll stay busy, keep the pipeline full, and avoid functioning from a place of fear and urgency. So to sign up, go to caragotwarner.com forward slash secret sauce. All right, you guys, that about does it for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed this and please share this with anyone that you think would benefit from uh, this episode and also the secret sauce training because it is totally free and it's my gift to you guys. Uh, So please take advantage of this special opportunity while it lasts. So without further ado, I will see you.